Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Today I want to challenge you in a way that I may not have challenged you before. I hope you have your steel toe boots on because I'm going to step on some toes and I want to get you and jerk the slack out of you and get you into the place where God wants us. So there may not be a lot of shouting, may not be a lot of amens. I came with some amens already on the inside of me. And so we're going to talk about what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart several months ago, talking to me about this. And a lot of times when the Lord talks to me about something, eventually he tells me to talk to the church about it. There are several different ways that pastors Study. I believe a pastor should study for themselves in order to be built up, in order to get strong themselves and preach out of the overflow. And I believe there are times that the Lord tells us to study in order to deliver a sermon. And when the Lord was talking to me about what we're going to talk about today, it was for me. But then he said, I want you to declare it to the church. And I want you to notice in Revelation chapters two and three, um, Jesus is really correcting the church, there are seven churches that he is correcting and that he's talking to the angel of the church that can be translated the pastor of the church and he's addressing the congregations. And those seven churches consist of the loveless church, the persecuted church, the compromising church, the corrupt church, the dead church, the faithful church, and the lukewarm church. Now, if you go to truelifefc.org, sometime this week we'll have your notes, the notes there for you to write these things down if I went too fast. But I encourage you to read Revelations chapters 2 and 3. But I want to start this morning at Revelation chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 3 through 4. And Jesus is talking here to the loveless church. And he says, you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Verse 4, he says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. When I was reading this passage of Scripture, I was thinking about what Jesus was saying to us in regards to the loveless church. I want to call this church also the working church. And he says there in verse three, he commends them for their perseverance, for their endurance. He pats them on the back for how strong they are and how they serve. But in verse four, he says to them that there is one thing I have against you. There is one thing that you lack. There is one thing that I am opposed to what you're doing. And the one thing is you have left your first love. Now, I'm going to come down here with you because I'm on the same playing field as you. Jesus did not tell this church that they had lost their first love. If you lose something, it could be by accident. And if it's by accident, then you didn't mean to lose whatever it might be. But if you have left your first love, then that is by design. When you have left your first love, then that means you have departed and you have abandoned what you loved at first. 
I remember this just happened this past week. I was sitting on the couch and Stacy and I, what we do, we have very firm bedtime for our children because we like to spend time together at the end of the night. So we're very structured and firm with our bedtimes. We get the kids in the bed. Then we sit on the couch and sometimes we just sit and talk. Sometimes we watch a show. Well, this particular time I had turned on the show and I said, Stacy, watch this. And she watched it. And next thing I know, she was staring at me. And I turned and I looked at her and I was like, what are you staring at me for? She said, you went to sleep. And I said, well, what do you mean I went to sleep? She's like, as soon as you said, watch this, you immediately went to sleep. I said, I did? She said, you started snoring. You said, watch this and you started snoring. And I thought, for real? And she said, yes. And I noticed when she did that, and said that I noticed we don't know when we are asleep until we wake up. So we don't know when we're asleep. Have you noticed you're laying in the bed and you just abruptly wake up and the alarm clock I have shoots up on our ceiling. It's one of the best inventions ever. It shoots up on the ceiling so I can look at the ceiling and see what time it is. And I didn't even really know I was asleep until I woke up. And I've also noticed that you don't know when you have left until someone tells you. Until someone tells you that you have left, then that is when you realize that you have abandoned your first love. What would cause someone to leave? What would cause someone to leave their first love? Love. I remember I was thinking about this. I was debating if I'm going to tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I, I was a young man. I gave my life to the Lord when I was eight years old. And man, I always sensed in my heart that I was 11 year old. I heard the call of God to preach. I didn't want to preach, but I heard the call of God to preach. And then I went through high school and then I got to college. And when I got to college, I enjoyed my time in college, probably Ruthie a little too much, okay? And so I go to college, enjoyed way too much time in college, ended up eventually leaving that college and going to a Bible school. I went to Jerry Savelle's Bible School. And when I was at Jerry Savelle's Bible School, I was getting very excited about the Word of God, Adrian. I was thrilled. I was learning new things. I was overwhelmed with the goodness of God. And the experience that I was having with him was amazing. But what had happened was I had met a girl. Can I, can I, do y'all love me? I met a girl in the club, okay? And so I, I'm hanging out with this girl I met in the club and I'm going to Bible school. I'm thinking I can do both, okay? And this girl in the club didn't want to have nothing to do with Jesus, but she looked good, okay, okay? And I'm in Bible school, okay? And I started talking to her about the goodness of God. Let me tell you what I learned in Bible school today. Jesus said, he's going to take away our shame and he's redeemed us from the curse. And she looked at me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you don't know Jesus? No, I don't know Jesus. We met in the club. I'm like, oh yeah, I was in the club, but, but I'm, I know Jesus. She left me alone. Which, which, you know, I'm glad because Stacey came later on, but she left me alone. But I was thinking about how passionate I was 
of telling her about Jesus. And I wasn't going to marry her or nothing. I was in my early 20s. I was just hanging out and having fun. But I had to tell her every time she called, I had to tell her about Jesus. And I was passionate. And I loved telling her about Jesus. And eventually she stopped talking to me because she didn't want to hear about Jesus. She wanted to go to the club. I didn't want to go to the club no more. I wanted to go to church. But she left. And, and I was thinking about the passion. When Jesus said to this church, now listen to me, because I believe our church is one of the most hardest working churches around. For real, I love the staff of this church. These, you work. You guys do everything with excellence. I love that about you. I love that you work hard. I love you. You give everything you got. You are after my heart. I mean, you are a chip off the old block. We are hardworking people, the Alexanders, and so are you. But we have to be careful because we can start working and abandon our first love. We can get distracted. And that's what causes you to leave your first love. You can get distracted. You can get drawn away. You can be enticed. You can be deceived. You can be busy. You can be sidetracked. And you will start working without any love. You'll start doing things without any type of love for God. You're just doing stuff now. And, and if we don't watch, we'll come into this church and we're coming to work. And we're not coming to love God. We're coming, well, gosh, I'm tired. I gotta, I gotta work in the nursery today. I, I gotta work the soundboard. I gotta work the camera. And then you're coming in here to work and we're not coming to work. We're coming to love God. Now we're gonna have to serve. In order to reach more people and help people and make this a, a place that is desirable for the kingdom of God to rest his presence upon, we're going to have to serve. But we can't do it apart from the love that we have from God. Where is the passion? Where is the emotion? Where is the excitement? Where is the joy? And if you're not careful, distractions will cause you to abandon, not lose your love, but leave the love that you have for God. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 10, let's look at verse 38. Luke chapter 10, we'll look at verse 38, and I'll read through verse 42. Watch this. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also, somebody say also, awesome. sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Verse 41, and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You are so worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Let's dissect this passage of scripture. Martha owns the house. 
This is Martha's house, and Jesus is a guest in Martha's house. And Martha is hosting. She's cleaning. I know when we have guests, what we do, I tell my kids, go look from the front door out. I want you to start cleaning from the front door all the way out to the living room, into the kitchen. This way. Don't clean your, your bedroom first, because that's what they want to do. No, no, I want you to come down to the front door and look, right? And so we're, we're hosting and we're serving and, and we're, we're cleaning and Martha's making her good old casserole. You ever heard Martha's casserole? Uh, y'all ain't had Martha's casserole. I'll tell you what, it's full of cheese and ground beef. Oh man, Martha's casserole is good. A little sour cream in it too as well. Martha's casserole is good and she makes a good old cheesecake, right? And so she is hosting and she is serving and she is, has Jesus himself in the house. And she's actually sitting, listening in her house to Jesus preach. Imagine Jesus himself is in your house and he's preaching. And she's sitting with her sister, Mary, and they're listening to Jesus. And all of a sudden, Martha says, I got to get up and start cleaning something. I got to get up and I got to start making sure that that light is cut off and making sure we got some smell good in that bathroom. I got to make sure that the sweet tea is tasting right. I got to make sure that my casserole is looking good. And she gets distracted. She gets sidetracked. She is drawn away. And as she is sitting with her sister Mary, listening to Jesus, the distraction caused her to leave Jesus. Now listen to this statement. The distraction caused her to separate from Jesus. The distraction caused her to abandon the position she was in to get away from Jesus himself. Jesus is in the house preaching a word and she doesn't hear anything because she's distracted. She's distracted. And the distraction has caused her to leave Jesus. I've seen distractions cause people to leave their spouses. Oh, they, the wedding looks great and it's wonderful wedding and we love and love is love and we love, love and love. And then all of a sudden we get very used to the spouse and then we start taking things he or she does for granted and they're supposed to do that. And then we see this pretty blonde or this six foot four dude at work and he's giving me or she's giving you a little more attention. And now all of a sudden you're distracted and then you begin to leave your first love and then connect with this hillbilly demon, Beelzebub. It's literally Beelzebub in that person trying to get you away. One particular time, I'm going to tell myself, but one particular time I was hanging with a group of uh, people and, and a, a lot of them were not believers like you and I, and I was in the midst and I took a picture and I saw this girl behind me in the picture. I didn't see her in real life. I saw the picture, you know, and she's looking at me like googly eyes. I saw the picture. I said, uh, I got to go. I ended up leaving. I said, I got to go right now because I ain't no fool. Okay. <laughs> I got a lot to lose, okay? Attractive looking woman staring at me in the picture. I looked at my watch. 
I told the person, I said, I got to go. I'll see y'all later. And I rolled up on out of there. Why did you leave? I ain't got time to get caught up in nothing like that. That was Beelzebub looking at me, trying to entice me. I said, I got to go. I got to get on out of here. I left. Well, where are you going? Don't matter where I went. I got away from there. Got up on out of there because I got too much to lose for Beelzebub to take it from me. And that's what happens. We get distracted. And when we get distracted, we'll leave Jesus. We'll leave our spouse. I've, we've had people leave our, our church. Now, you are allowed to leave our church, okay? This is not a gang. We're not a cult. If you want to go, yeah, we're not going to hurt you, cut you, look for you. You are welcome to go. You are, you are, you're welcome to leave. That is your prerogative. But here recently, I've talked to people that have left, and they can't even tell me why they left. They can't even give me a reason. Now, they're either lying to me or they have allowed distraction to come in and divert their attention, sidetrack them, and they go somewhere else. And don't, they don't, they even found nowhere else. They just got to go and don't know where they're going. Then they say the Lord told them to do it. The Lord don't lead people like that. He leads you to a place, not just into, you know, in the New Testament, you know, where, where am I going? No, he's going to lead you somewhere. But distraction came. And then they, then they begin to leave their first love. Man, we love it here. This is great. We love it. Oh, you know what? I got offended. You know what? They, they, no one said thank you to me. You, you know what? Pastor didn't uh, return my phone call. You, you know what? Um, Don didn't pat me on the back on the way out. I've got to, I've got to go. Distraction comes and cause you to separate. The enemy is the great distractor. If, if he can't get you and stop you, from doing what God's called on you to do when you stay focused. So what he tries to do is distract. If I can get you to put a priority on something else other than Jesus, then I'll do that. We see it all the time. Mary and Martha were looking and listening to Jesus. They're sitting there and Martha gets distracted, hops up and runs off. Something else took Priority. Something else was more important than listening to Jesus. There's a good friend of mine. Uh, he's, I've known him since the fourth grade. A really good friend. Uh, we, we lived in three different states together. I talk to him probably every day. Uh, he's a, he's a uh, firefighter in Dallas. And one day I called him and he sent me a text back. He says, I'm spending time with the Lord. I'll call you back. Man, that did something to me. He says, I'll call you back. I said, man, take your time. It, it, it told me because what we typically do, phone sitting right here and we're praying. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank Phone ring. Oh, I got to take the call. And then we get distracted. Why do you think you get a phone call every time you start praying? It's a distraction. I don't care who. This is what I do now. I put my phone somewhere else because it seems to be someone that I need to talk to. All of a sudden, I've been trying to talk to you all day yesterday and the day before. Now you want to call in my time of prayer. It's a distraction. And when, that, when my friend, his name is Jeff, when Jeff said, hey, I'll, I'll call you back. I'm spending time with the Lord right now. I thought, man, you are not allowing yourself to be distracted. 
and I love it. What if I'm on midweek boost and we, we have the Bible open and we're teaching the word. Now understand John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. So if we're teaching the word, Jesus is right there with us. He may not be in the flesh, but he's there with us. And I'm midweek boost since Wednesday night. You're sitting at home and yes, yes. And then the phone rings. Oh, I better take that. That's my best friend. It, did you get distracted by taking that call? Yes, you did. You did just like Martha and you left the teaching of the word. I know I'm going to step on some toes today. I ain't scared of y'all. I ain't scared of y'all. I'm going to let y'all know right there. I am not scared of y'all. And you left and you said, you know what? I'll catch the replay. Because something else became a priority. You know what? Oh, man, you know, I'm just, I'm just a little too tired. I'll catch the replay. And something else became a priority. Nothing wrong with catching the replay. But did you allow the, dis the distraction to cause you to do that? And so she's sitting there. Mary and Martha listening to Jesus. The distraction caused Martha to leave Jesus. Martha has the audacity to go to Jesus while he's teaching and says, Jesus, don't you see my, my sister ain't helping me do anything? He's teaching. And can you command her to get up and to help? Because I need service around here. Can you imagine, this is really what she did today. She's looking in the Bible. I need to find a scripture to tell people to stop listening to Jesus. Give me a word. I need a word. Oh, there it is right here. Oh, no, I can't find it. I can't find it. I got to stop listening to Jesus. You got to get them served. You got to help. You got to serve. You got to help. I submit to you, spending time with Jesus is the most important thing you can do. And everything else is a distraction. I want you to realize that things are happening to distract you. And you don't know they're distracting you until someone tells you. That is a distraction. My wife is very good at that. Something will happen, and she'll say, Devon, you know that's a distraction. I'm, oh, I didn't know. You know what? That is a distraction. Or I'll get five testimonies in a row. Great testimonies. Hallelujah. And then someone will send me one bad, you a false prophet, you a false teacher, and I spend more time on that than I do the five testimonies I got. And Stacey has to remind me, that's a distraction. Don't entertain it. Don't engage. And I'll tell you what I do in a minute when those things kind of happen. And so she goes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, tell, tell her to help. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, Devon, Devon. <laughs> You are worried and troubled about many things. What is he saying? He's saying your worry, your care, your mind is divided, your trouble, your anxiety, your, your, uh, your desire to look good, to make a great impression, to always put your best foot forward so that other people can think so highly and great of you. People aren't thinking about you for the most part. You know that, right? You're trying to do all this stuff to impress somebody, and they're not even thinking about you. They don't even care, okay? And all of this has distracted you, and you're troubled about many things. And then Jesus says, but Mary has chosen the needful thing. What's the needful thing? To sit at my word, because that's 
the priority. The priority is hearing my word. Now, what you and I are going to have to do, because we're in a busy life, busy season. I believe we're busier than we've ever been before. I really do. I believe this is this has just been a busy season and we're more distracted than we ever been before. Social media distraction, more distraction, cell phone distraction. More, what a great tool, but what a major distraction it is. And we're busier than we've ever been before. We're going to have to find out and discover how to put God a priority above all of the busyness. What am I saying to you? I'm not, I am not saying be lazy and say, I'm just sitting up reading the word and your, and your spouse says, Hey, can you help take out the trash? I'm reading the word, babe. Uh, how long? I've been reading the word all day long. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying make Jesus a priority while you're taking the trash out. Make Jesus a priority while you're at work. Make Jesus a priority while you are doing the things that need to take place and eliminate the distractions. And when you recognize the distractions, what I want you to notice and say out loud is that's a distraction. Something pops on the news. You're having a good day and they say something crazy in the political realm. You're going to have to say, that's a distraction. I'm going to keep my peace. Let me tell you how distractions try to separate you from whom God called you. Uh, many of you know I grew up under, I grew up spiritually under a very large ministry. This very large ministry God has really connected me with. I, I know them personally. I know their families. I'm, I'm very connected with them. This very large ministry has really gone down a political way of, of, of communicating. A lot, a lot of political coming out of large. The devil told me, get away from that and come over here. He, the devil said, you need to cut that off. You need to leave that and you need to come on over here and you only do the, and the, I had to tell the devil, devil, I grew up under this ministry. Devil, this is where I learned how to live by faith. This is where I learned how to prosper. Somebody say prosper. That's not a bad word, by the way. Devil, this is where I learned how to walk in healing and health. This is where how I was taught. I'm not going to let you distract me. You're not going to agree with everything that comes out of my mouth. I don't even agree with everything that comes out of my mouth. <laughs> Sometimes I go back and I listen to one of my messages. I'm like, I could have said that a lot better. Or I didn't mean the way I said that. I don't even agree with everything that comes out of my mouth. But you're going to have to come and lock in and say, I'm not going to allow distractions to cause me to separate. I'm not going to allow it. I am not going to pay a lot of attention to it. This is what God's called me to do. This is where God's called me. This is who God's called me to be with. And I'm not going to be distracted. Come on, somebody say, no more distraction. No more distraction. Say this, renewed focus. Renewed focus. That's what I've been thinking about, a renewed focus. Now, in Nehemiah chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3, Nehemiah chapter 6, 1 through 3. I encourage you to read the book of Nehemiah, a really good book. And let's read here in verse 1. It says, now what happened when SB and TB and Big G and Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and there were no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors in the gates. Look at verse 2. And then SB and G-Man sent to me saying, come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Onah, 
but they thought to do me harm. Look at verse three. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go to you? This passage of scripture inspires me because Nehemiah is called to do a great work of rebuilding the wall, the defenses of the city, and Nehemiah is leading it. He's spearheading it. He's rallied the people. They are rebuilding the wall. And then all of a sudden, these groups of people say, hey, we want to meet with you for the sole purpose to do them harm. Be careful with who wants to meet with you. Because everybody want to meet with you ain't don't have your best agenda. Am I preaching to now? Am I preaching? They don't have. It's OK. You're a grown man or woman. It's OK to say no. I've said no to a lot of them. You won't meet. No. Why not? Because I said no. I don't like you no more. Okay. I'm married. I got four kids that love me. I got a church that love me. That's fine. That's, that's great. I, I'm Natasha. You love me, don't you? Yeah. And so I, I, I'm, I'm not meeting. I've said no. I'm not meeting. I don't have to meet. You don't have to meet with everybody. Everybody doesn't have your best interests. And so these people wanted to meet with Nehemiah to do him harm, to distract him to get him off the course and the focus and the purpose that God called him to do. And I love Nehemiah's response in verse three. He says, I'm doing a great work. And in one translation, he says, I'm not coming off that wall because I'm doing a great work. And that's what I say. Now that's me and Stacy will talk. And there's another pastor friend, uh, a friend of mine that I talk to, and he'll tell me something going on in his church. And I'll tell him, I said, don't come off the wall for that. He's like, you're right. I'm not coming off the wall for that. I'm doing a great work here and I am not coming down off the wall to deal with your mess. And then I got to come back up here and I'm probably not going to come back up the same way I went down. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen in here. And that's my news. I ain't coming off the wall for that. And I'll say that Stacey, if something happened, I say, you know, babe, I'm not coming off the wall for that. She said, don't come off the wall for that. We're doing a great work. Stay focused because people... And it's not just people. The devil wants to distract you. If I can get you off course, if I can get you off the plan, if I can turn you sideways and sidetrack you, then I'll do it. And realize, just like when God wants to bless you, he'll send people. When the devil wants to curse you, guess what he'll do? Send people. So you have to be wise enough to determine who is God bringing to me and who is the devil bringing? You have to be mature enough to, to, to ask the Holy Spirit, should I entertain that? And if there's red flags coming up, you already have your answer. Let me say it again. If there's red flags coming up, you already know what you do. You don't entertain it. And and I'll say this, I'm not coming off the wall for that. Something will happen over here. There was something happening on social media and I got really mad at. And I really wish sometimes I wasn't a pastor. Sometimes I wish I was just a regular person so I can just get into it with everybody. I want to get into it with everybody on social media. But being a pastor, it don't look right and all that good stuff. And so something was happening. They were arguing. And I went, I turned to Stacey. I said, I cannot believe. And, and this happened this week. And then she said, you know what? You need, to, you, need to, you need to delete your social media apps. She said, you're coming off the wall to get down here and argue with somebody about what they believe about Israel and Hamas and all that. What, you're coming off the wall. 
Stay on the wall. You're doing a great work. And you need to have people reminding you of the same thing. You need to remind people you're doing a great work. Don't come off the wall. Don't get involved in that. Don't, don't, don't entertain that. You're doing a great work. And sometimes you have to delete. Delete social media apps. Did you? I don't know if y'all know this. This may be something y'all didn't know. Did you know that you can cut your cell phone off? It has a power button on it. It can power off. I don't know if you knew that, but it can power off. You just kind of hold it. It'll power completely off. And guess what? No more distractions for however long it is off. Come on, somebody say amen to that. You have to be in control of your life or someone else will. The Holy Spirit's there to help you. He's not there to make you do anything. He's in you to help you. He's not, he's not driving you. He's helping you. You're driving. He's helping. And, and listen to him. Listen to him. You know what? That's a distraction. Listen to your best friend. Listen to someone that you trust in terms of, hey, that's a distraction. You may not want to engage in that. You may not want to listen to your spouse. You may not want to get involved in that. That's a distraction. There are times Stacy will tell me, and I have to tell her the same thing. Babe, I don't know if you know this, but that's a distraction. You all caught up in all that. That person is really doing that on purpose. They are trying to hurt you on purpose. I love you. Just give me all your attention. Don't give them any attention. We're going to have to keep ourselves accountable because if we're not, we will be tossed to and fro here, there, and we will not get anything done. But it is the focused believer, the focused individual that is the most productive, the one that knows what God's called them to do and is doing what God's called them to do without all of the fray around are the ones that's going to see the results that take place. Why does one person have results and the other person doesn't? One person is focused and the other one is not. Why does that person seem to have more muscles than me? One person is spending more time focusing on that area of their body than you are. And so we're going to have to focus. And the distraction is a tool that the enemy will use to get us off course. And so I want you to think of, uh, uh, well, I want you to hear these questions. I want you to answer these questions, not out loud, but in your, in your own time. What should you, what should you add to your schedule? What should you subtract from your schedule? Um, what should you do more of? What should you stop doing at all? These are ways to help us stay focused and not be distracted. What are you doing that you shouldn't be doing? And what are you not doing that you should be doing? These are areas that we can determine if we're staying focused and purposeful, or if we are distracted. I will tell you, there are three areas in life that you will never waste time in, all right? Three areas in life that you'll never waste time in. Number one, 
spiritually. You'll never waste time spending time with God, reading the word of God, attending church, serving in the church, doing whatever God's told you to do. You'll never waste time doing those things. Those are never time wasters. Number two, you'll never waste time when you are getting adequate sleep. Then I didn't say too much sleep. I said adequate sleep. (laughs) When you're exercising, these are not time wasters. When you're eating appropriately, when you are doing things to help your body, whether it be massages, whether it be stretching, whether it be whatever it might be, these things are never time wasters. Oh, you, you, you're sitting there working out. I, this happens to me all the time. I get ready to work out. You know, you could be doing something else. And I have to remind myself, no, this workout is not a time waster. Because my mind tells me that all the time, or the, the enemy, through the distraction, don't work out, do something else. Anytime I get ready to pray, I'm going to spend some time in prayer. The devil tells me, you know, you know, it ain't nothing work. This ain't working. You over here praying, it ain't nothing happening. Am I the only one that gets that to hear the devil? Ain't nothing happening. You just over here mumble jumble and talking and, and ain't nothing really happening. And you need to do something else. Why don't you go vacuum that floor? I hate vacuuming the floor. But somehow that sounds like a good idea when I get ready to pray. Why don't you go clean your garage? That's what you can do. Now, if you're really good, you can do both. You can pray and clean as you focus your priority and attention on the Lord. So that's number two. And number three, when you're spending time with family, spending time with family, spouse, children, these are never time wasters. Uh, Spending uh, vacations are not time wasters. Did you hear me? Yeah, I said it. Vacations are not time wasters. You are being refreshed. You are being energized. You're being reinvigorated. If you're not married, you're spending time maybe with a best friend, uh, a colleague that you really enjoy being with, another church member. These are not time wasters. Anything else considered could be a distraction. Just want you to consider that. If it doesn't fall under the three things I named, anything else could be a distraction. Listen to me when I say this. Work can be a distraction. Did you hear me? I said it. I'll say it again. Work can be a distraction. Your client's calling you at 3 a.m. in the morning, and, and that could be a distraction. And I need you to come in. I remember one time I was, I remember one time I had to tell this story. Stacy was working for a company, and, and one of the babies was sick, one of our kids was sick, and I wasn't feeling that strong. And her company tried to get her to come in at 10.30 p.m. We need you to come in right now. And they were loud on the phone. I said, are they yelling? And she's like, they're trying to get me to come in. I said, quit that job now. Now, I had already told her to quit because I, I had already said, Stacy, it's time for you to leave that job. And she, oh, I want to keep working. We keep, and that's fine. I love that about her. And I said, but I think, I think you're supposed to quit. I need you to leave that job. And I'll pray about it and this and that. When they start yelling at 1030, I said, this, that's it. Two weekends, we're done. We're not coming in at 1030. That's a distraction. Are you listening to me? Well, I got to say this too. I'm, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen, but I got to say, somebody pulling out of here. You can't do that kind of stuff if you got a lot of debt. I knew it'd be quiet in here. If you owe Peter, Paul, Jake, 
Michael Jordan and whoever else, you can't be like, I quit that job. This is why, this is why I get blasted for preaching prosperity. Oh, you preach prosperity. And, and listen, because God wants you free to do what he's called you to do. And if he wants you free, then you shouldn't have to owe. Now, I did not say debt was a sin. Debt is not a sin. How, how you handle debt is, and if we really want to be clear, I might talk about this in January. If I really want to be clear, debt, biblical debt simply means you can't repay. It, it means I cannot repay. So biblically, that would be considered debt. But if you have payments and you're making payments, that's, that's not a biblical debt. Okay. But when you want to be free to do what God's called you to do, start thinking in terms of I need to stop owing. Are you listening to me? So I could be free. I get asked, how did you leave a six figure paying job and go into the ministry? I get asked a lot. I wish I could tell you that it was all the word of the Lord. It was. But it was also I didn't have a lot of debt. And so I was able to step out because I didn't owe everybody. And I was able to step out and do what God's called me to do. Was it hard? Yes. Did we go? We went months without paycheck, months without a paycheck. But God came through and he provided. We had one particular person. Uh, I told him we were starting a church and this person said, I'm going to send a thousand dollars a month every month. And because, I, and because I believe that you are called to do this, and every month I'm going to send $1,000 to help you. And, man, that $1,000 was going to my house payment because I wasn't making any money. It was going to the house payment. And I said, thank God. Hallelujah. And then other people. One guy came to the house. Somebody needs to hear this because I didn't plan on talking about this. One guy came to the house, left his truck running, rung the doorbell, knocked on the door. He's banging on the door. The truck was running. He had $1,200 cash. He said, I, I heard you were starting the church and I want to be the first to so and so. I said, glory to God. When you obey God, now I'm stepping away from a six free paying job and God's saying, I know how to, I, I know what I'm doing. If you, if you trust me, if you stay focused and if you rely and lean on me, I, I'll take care of you. I know what I'm doing. And so when you are, where was I going with this? All right, it was good. All right. When you are walking with the Lord and you are determined to stay purposeful in what he's called you to do, don't be distracted. It's easy to be distracted. It's easy to get caught up in something that you should not be a part of. I've been in arguments I shouldn't be a part of. I've been in family debates I shouldn't have never gotten, gotten a part of. I'm arguing with my wife I should have never been a part of. All of that was a distraction. I was mad at something over here, and then she said something, and then I'm mad at her now. All, all of that, is, all of that is, dist- is a distraction. Where did it start? It, it started from the devil distracting me over here, and then now I'm carrying that stuff. Jesus was never distracted. Never. He knew what he came to do. Why did he get so much done in three short years? Right. He was 33 when he passed, but he got into the the, when he passed, when he was crucified and rose from the dead for us. I mean, I want to I don't I don't want to make that a small thing. That's a big thing. Redeemed us from the curse and set us free. 
when he was crucified, he was 33, he got the ministry at 30. In three years, he changed the world. We are still living by the impact he made in those three years. Why? Because he never was distracted. He got so much done because he stayed focused on what God called him to do. Imagine how much more you can get done. Mm. Are you listening to me today? Say amen to that. If you stayed focused, if you put your priorities in the right place, my number one priority is to hear from God, is to spend time with Jesus. It's my church attendance, is my Bible reading, is my prayer time. That's my number one. And I'm not going to let any extracurricular activity get in the way of that. I'm not going to let anything get in the way of spending time with Jesus. Well, Pastor, I don't have enough time to spend with Jesus. Let me ask you this. What are you doing at 3 a.m.? Huh? Well, I, I, I found some time that you have to spend with Jesus. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Stay, stay focused. We are coming into a very volatile political season. It's probably going to be the worst we've ever experienced. Stay focused. Stay focused. You're going to lose some friends during this political season. I have every, every four years I lose friends. Somehow, some way, they just leave. And it's going to get volatile. It's going to get ugly. You're going to be very passionate about certain things. They're, your your coworker is going to be passionate about certain things. Your family is going to be passionate about certain things. Don't let these wealthy po- politicians, you listen to me, rich and wealthy. I, listen to me now. You fighting somebody over and they they completely fine. Don't let them get you to a place that you are running around like a chicken with your head cut off and you lost your job. I know people that have lost their jobs over political things occurring. Have your beliefs. Be strong in it, but the kingdom comes first. Somebody say amen to that. The Lord Jesus Christ comes first. Say amen to that. Everything else then becomes a distraction. Now I want to say my last piece. Are you ready for this? Stand to your feet. Why don't you stand to your feet? Last thing I want to say. Make the most of your time. Make the most of your time. We got a short time here on the earth. Don't allow distraction to cut short what God's called you to do. And guess what? I'm preaching to myself. It's easy to be distracted, to be involved in things God's not called you to do. But stay focused and you will see what God has called you to do. You'll see the manifestation of it. You'll experience the benefits of it. And God will get all the glory. This is how you and I experience true life. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. 
Thank you. And remember to love, learn, live and lead.